Hello, hello, everyone. It's your girl, Maddie Murphy, your high vibe hype woman, your celestial strategist. And here at Cosmic RX Radio, we are on a little bit of a breaky break as we round out 2023, charge up, and just get our rest on, get our like pre manifestation on for 2024. But we're coming at you today with a little bonus episode, a little mailbag treat, treat, treat. We just thought that'd be fun to kind of tune in with you all, our cosmic baddies, and see what's on your heart. What do you want to know about your chart? A little treat teaser episode of just answering some questions. If you want more episodes like this, let us know. We can definitely incorporate it into the rotation. It's super fun. So let's get into it. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. We polled you all on Instagram few weeks back and asked, you know, what are, the, what are the things that we really want to know about? We had a lot of questions about compatibility. So let's start there. So specifically, one of you said, what are some basics of compatibility in astrology? I know it's nuanced, but still. So definitely, I appreciate that. It is very nuanced. And you know, when we're looking at compatibility, we're going to definitely, first of all, go beyond sun sign compatibility, because that is, you know, just saying like, those articles that are like, why a Taurus can never date a Capricorn? Like, no, there's too many other things going on. Um, so I want to give you some things that I look for in compatibility charts or, you know, to understand like more about what's a couple's or partner's like their chemistry. What is sort of the relationship of their relationship? Also, if you want to go deeper, Dose Villa is an amazing astrologer who has a, a lot of different brands, one of them being Know the Zodiac. And she wrote a book, Signs and Sky Mates. Sky Mates. She came on the pod. She has a lot of great tools for this. And she talks about everything for compatibility, from romance to self-love. Her episode was amazing. And yeah, she has a book and a card deck. So just same. Okay, so some things that I would say One, we want to understand what's going on with each other's moons. If we have some kind of cool aspect where your moon connects into somewhere else's chart in a significant way, whether you have the same moon sign or their Venus is the same as your moon sign or their ascendant is, there's just going to be a natural emotional connection, right? Something nonverbal happening something where, again, like you're understanding your simpatico with each other. And I'm going to kind of pepper in some non-traditional compatibility advice in here, but just saying like, that's really important. Compatibility is what we make of it. And so again, if you really are with someone, you really want to learn more about how to show up for them as a partner. You want to teach them how to show up for you as a partner, getting to really know your moon sign and their moon sign. And again, understanding where you might have a natural fluency in your chart is going to be very important. Okay, so let's look at also 
conjunctions, I'd say placement number two, conjunctions on the descendant. So if you have your Mars is in Capricorn and your partner is well, cancer rising, I don't know why I'm doing this, this is exactly my partner's my situation. I didn't mean to do that. But if you're cancer rising, you have Mars in Capricorn, that means that like your Mars is going to be conjunct their descendant. So everyone's descendant as a reminder is opposite their ascendant. It's the cusp of your partnership, the seventh house part of you. And the qualities of our descendant are usually what we wish we had more of, so to speak. And this draws us into people. And this is something that like we're either looking for, but we're also trying to like cultivate more of within us. So if you have um, your Venus is on someone's descendant, um, your moon's on someone's descendant, it's going to be like, ooh, they're really craving that. There's something there that really balances out you or the other person really nicely. I'm talking about compatibility, but I'm also kind of talking about synastry here. Let me just rewind and give a little description of the two of them. So when we look at compatibility, we're pulling a synastry chart. It's where we overlap charts, like almost like layered and then on top of one another. If you had like your chart was the like clear, like one of those old clear things they put over like on a, a projector in like math class. If you put your chart over someone else's chart, that's a synastry chart. That's something that we're looking at when we talk about compatibility. I also just want to say composite charts are literally when you take two charts of like you and a partner together and you essentially find like the mean, the average between them, which is almost like a chart for the relationship, if that makes sense. I just want to kind of distinguish the two of those. Composite chart is almost like the major spiritual themes, tone of the relationship, mission, karmic assignment of the relationship. While synastry would be like how we affect one another, how we work together, so on and so forth. So going on with synastry, if we're talking about those overlays, looking at where is their fourth house overlays in your chart. If someone, if your fourth house is ruled by Sagittarius and you're with someone and they have a lot of Sag in their chart, you're going to feel at home with them. You're going to feel like they are home to you, which is beautiful or vice versa if it's a partner. It's also really beautiful, especially if you have like the personal planets there or Jupiter. It also indicates usually you'll have like domestic compatibility, peaceful home environment. Not always true, but just a generalization that we're looking at. Same thing with fifth house overlays, because fifth house is the house of chemistry and romance and big crush energy. It's also like our house of our inner child. So when we have fifth house compatibility, it's like, ooh, I'm reaching out my hand to your inner child. Let's have fun. There's something like lighthearted, loving, joyful that comes out of this. And again, a lot of like creativity or magnetism together. And also you can look at in synastry, sextiles and trines. So as a reminder, sextile is when something is two signs apart and trine is when something is four signs apart. If you have a Venus, let's say in Scorpio, and then someone else's Venus is in Capricorn. There's going to be compatibility there. So we're going to look at sextiles and trines in the chart between Venus signs, but also between Venus and North Node, South Node. This is probably someone like, we'll kind of get into a different question we have later on, but this can show like a karmic past life connection with someone. This can show that loving this person or being in love with this person is part of like your, is activating something on your soul's destiny path or something intuitive about knowing each other. So sextiles and trines in general between Venus signs, but especially between Venus and North node, South node. There's so many things to look for, but I'll leave you with one more. Look to each other's Juno signs and see if there's a compatibility there. 
Juno signs in the same element. So like a Juno in Sag, Juno in Aries, or a Juno sign that's overlaid with your partner's chart in a significant way means that there is an opportunity in invitation, a potentiality for domestic like partnership that works well. Um, we know our Venus sign is very connected to love, worthiness, flirt, energy, aesthetics, values, but it could be love in a lot of different ways, right? It could be self-love. It could be love we have for our family, our art, our pets. Whereas Juno is an asteroid goddess that's more about like, what do I need to cohabitate to make a life with someone to domestically partner? And so understanding someone's Juno sign, again, like the moon sign can really help you understand them better and what, also what you need. And then looking at, you know, if you have the same Juno sign with someone, there's going to be a fluency there. Or if your moon connects with their Juno, a flow, a, a harmonic conversation happening. So those are some 101s of cosmic compatibility. Let me know if you ever, you know, want to do a, a longer episode or a deep dive on that in a deeper way. And so let's see. Is it rare to share an identical chart with a BFF? Ooh, okay, y'all about to make me try and do some math. Make me go back to my AP stat class from high school. So here's what I want to say. I'm going to think a little bit. I tried to crunch some numbers to get the actual statistics, but who am I kidding? First of all, I'm like days away from giving birth. The brain is not functioning that way. But let's, let's talk this through a little bit. I'm going to say, first and foremost, this is very special, you know, to share an identical chart with a best friend. And the only difference is your moons, which are opposite each other, if they're Libra Aries, is very cool. To me, I'm like, oh, that connection is karmic. It is cosmic. And then there's sort of a opposite energy of your moons, but in a way that really would also like kind of complement each other, I imagine, you know, like both bringing very similar things to the table, but through different lenses, through different emotional needs. And in terms of like general and charts, you know, I think one reason that people are kind of anti-astrology is like, there's no way that like every Scorpio, I'm not like every Scorpio I know. So we know that obviously sun sign horoscopes, a whole different conversation. But honestly, like to have the same chart as someone, especially we're talking about the ascendance, and I'm guessing it's not like every degree in your chart is the same because that would be freaky deaky. But, you know, when you break down a chart, you're looking at certain planets, people your own age, born the same year, are going to have certain, a lot of the chart the same, you know, the outer planets, the generational planets, the Jupiters, right, the Saturns, the Neptunes, Uranus, North Node, and then, you know, if we get into more of the personal planets, the Mars sign shifts every six weeks. That's like, okay, you know, if you're born around the same time as that, Venus, Mercury every four weeks. If you're born in the same sun sign, I'm like, okay, great. It's like, okay, we're born in the same like month time frame. You get a very similar chart. If you have the same ascendant, that is where things get kind of rare. The ascendant sign changes every two hours. It's the most sensitive part of our chart. It influences the other houses. And then also you look at if you have two births to be born at the same time, the same degree ascendant, they'd have to be born within four minutes of each other and within 69 miles east or west of each other. I found this from Patrick Watson online. He's an amazing astrologer. He did a great write-up about this. He calls this, what is it called? The rising rectangle of like the degrees of which, you know, why we ask for your birth location as an astrologer. It does affect that, right? So if you have the same degree 
rising sign, then that is pretty crazy. That means you're either born within four minutes of each other or within like 69 miles. So again, I'm not giving you the best like neat and tidy answer here, but all I'm saying is it's it's very low odds. And in this article, he does say that like if two people who are born very close to your birth time to have them the same like ascendant, he says, oh my God, it's less than 7 billion, <laughs> 7.125 billionth of a degree, a statistical odd. So like one in... You know, one in seven billion. But that would be if you have the same, like, everything, everything. It sounds like the moons are different. So I'm a little intrigued by that, how that is working and operating. And maybe you're born years apart. All I'm saying is very special, very karmic, very cool. When I see people, siblings, cousins, friends, lovers, I love those very, very similar charts. I just know I circle up my mind, put a star there, like something significant is happening. It's important for these two people, their lives, their life stories to intersect in this way that even if it's not one in seven billion, it's a very low statistical odd. So blessings to you and your BFF. Let's see. What do you believe is the most important house placement to focus on ancestral healing? Oh, I love this question. Okay, so first and foremost, we want to go to the fourth house to understand, you know, this is the house house that's connected to our home, to our family, to our roots. They say it's kind of like your inheritance. And so that could be, you know, whatever you're inheriting, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the patterns, the baggage. And so in this, like really looking at what's going on in your fourth house, what sign is there, what placements are there. You could also look at like if you have the birth charts of people in your family to understand that. It's like, what is the story? And especially for you, what is the story that's unfolding in that house? What is the good um, inheritance that you're here to claim? And then what is the ancestral line, you know, the healing that you're here to shift in that story, right? And so similarly, you might want to look at just as the fourth house, you can look at the 10th house too, sometimes fourth house astrology is very connected to like our motherly line or the line of the caretaker that was more associated with the home. And the 10th house is associated with the father or again, the more like authoritative or out in the world parental figure. You might understand what is your process, your relationship with these energies. I also think sometimes like looking at our Chiron is like, what are the emotional wounds that we inherited from our family, but that we can shift into opportunities for healing because if we look at the mythology of Chiron, a lot of that is very ancestral. It's a lot to do with wounds that happened before Chiron was even born. I always look at like, you know, Saturn holds a lot about our karma. So looking at Saturn sign helps us understand that karma. Some people say, you know, mother, moon, father, son. So if you want to look at your moon sign, what is it going on there? And your sun sign as it relates to maybe your parents or primary caretakers. And then the last thing that I'll say is your south node. Your south node is karma you're clearing from a past life, which is your own journey. But I do find that when I do readings for people, there can be a south node story through someone, if not their parents, but great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, that they can kind of see reminiscent in that story. Because I do believe that we incarnate with like our soul families, these pods. For instance, like if you're clearing you know, something, if you have a Libra south node in the second house and you're clearing 
you know, not just like marrying for convenience or love or money. Maybe that's not what your parents' story was, but maybe you can actually trace a story about that from someone in your soul family, someone in your ancestral line, if you go back far enough in history. So I'd say those are the great starting points. But if you're just going to take one thing, that fourth house can teach us so much. The house of our inheritance, (laughs) good and bad. Okay, so I'm just going to say, I kind of touched upon this, but I think I'll, I'll circle and go a little deeper on it. Next question says, is there a specific placement that you feel best shows a past life connection between two people? Oh, so fun. Love past life work. So again, this would be pulling the sinistry charts of someone, which again, you can pull online for free. And like I said before, the South Node in the karmic ancestral healing and the sinistry question, you know, South Node is very important in a sinistry chart for understanding our karmic connection. So if you have any sort of anything conjunct in someone's chart to your south node or vice versa, definitely pass the connection there. So if their moon is conjunct your south node, vice versa, absolutely. I would say if there's anything conjunct your Saturn, especially for them, a personal planet, yeah, a personal planet or their south node, Saturn is a very important correspondence to our past life, to karma. And again, like we never know if it's like good karma or bad karma that's playing out, but there's something important there. You can look at if there's anything conjunct to their Chiron, to the asteroid goddesses Ceres or Juno. There may be past life connections there. If you share an overlap in planets in the eighth house, 12th house, for sure. And then also understanding like if your south node, I'm going to give you a breakdown of like, if your south node is connected by sign, what that means, because that's really one of the most significant parts of it. But again, if you have like their south node, moon, or Saturn, and their eighth or twelfth, vice versa, we're going to feel that a lot. And then, you know, if your south node is connected to their sun, there may be something you're learning about the masculine through them. If the south node is connected to the moon, you might be here to learn about like something about the feminine through them, south node Mercury, something around your communication. You might have had like been neighbors or question mark siblings in a past life. South node and Venus would be like you were lovers in a past life. You had an affair, south node Mars, sexual chemistry, or you were at odds. Maybe enemies turned into lovers in a past life. South node Jupiter, they are here to teach you something. They probably were a teacher or mentors of yours in a past life. South node Saturn, you're clearing a lot of karma around control, authority. South node in Uranus, you're here to probably disrupt something big in your karmic line with them. South node Neptune, you're here to learn about your spiritual journey through them. Maybe they were a spiritual teacher or healer of yours in the past life. South node Pluto, you're here to learn about power and control. And like there may have been some unhealthy balances of power and control in a past life. If your South Node is conjunct their Juno or vice versa, they're probably a spouse of yours, a partner from past life. South Node Ascendant, South Node Descendant, both of those conjunct are like a lot of soulmate indications, strong links, probably like many lifetimes you've gone through together. South Node conjunct your Midheaven, you probably did something that's right public in a past life, maybe a power couple or something that was like, you know, famous or uh, your private lives were on display. South node conjunct your IC, you were definitely like, did this in a past life, had a family, had a home. And yeah, so that's kind of, did it leave anything big out? I'm looking at the chart here. Yeah. And then if you have like 
any of that, like I said, doesn't mean it's good or bad. It just means like you're probably really here to clear something with them and understand something different and write a story like on your own terms. And with any kind of karmic relationships, past life work, it's just about being really conscious to the forces that are at play that are like bigger than you that you might not see or understand or even be able to like break down in like therapy because sometimes past life stuff is so it, we're not conscious of it until we're made aware of it, which is why something like an astrological reading or past life regression can really help bring that into awareness, to conscious awareness, right? And then you can decide what you want to do with it from there. And then the last question we're going to do for the mailbag today is, I think, very hashtag relatable. So this person says, I've been told my chart is quote unquote challenging. It has always made me anxious and a touch fearful of the future. What is some direction you can give for people with challenging quote unquote charts or how to see the positives in these challenges? Okay. Oh, my baby, sit around, gather around mama's feet. Let's have a little cup of hot cocoa and let's just break this down. Okay. First of all, my first thing I like to say is who? Who is the person saying this? I want to just remind ourselves that. We all have biases, whether we are, you know, an astrology reader, whether there's like AI is telling you this. You know, I talked about it in an episode when I talk about my like pregnancy journey. But in the early days, like I had some people tell me awful things about my chart. And unfortunately, we bring a lot of our own projections into astrology, whether that's we read something, heard something, we're repeating it, or we have our own life experience, right? I can't tell you how many people I've gone to, people have gone to readings and they're like, oh my God, like so-and-so said my partner's going to cheat on me or we're going to get divorced. And then I'm like, all right, let me Google this person. I'm like, oh, they're divorced. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just that thing of like being a clear and open channel to read for someone from a place of neutrality takes a lot. It also takes a lot to not be just regurgitating a lot of like fatalistic things that people were taught in astrology, especially I would say like astrology, like anything else, has to be like decolonized, dismantled. There's a lot of biases in it. So I just want to say that first and foremost as a broad sweeping statement. Also, there's really no such thing as bad or challenging astrology. There's astrology that's like, oh, I'm here to learn some things in this lifetime. But it also is like what we do with it, how we deal with it. It's all about what we choose to make the most of it with and like how we choose to grow. You could have a quote unquote easy birth chart But if you take that as a chance to check out and not care about anything, you will have your own challenges in life and you'll probably be reincarnated with some very difficult lessons. But, you know, in terms of evolutionary shamanic astrology, there's no such thing as good or bad or challenging. So whoever told you that might have been, again, coming to things at their own table. A birth chart is basically what we bring into life, what we're aiming to achieve in our spiritual journey. When we talk about charts, T-squares in a chart. I think it's something that traditionally a T-cross, T-square is like, ooh, there's there's obstacles in one's life. And this could be like, if someone didn't know about it, they'd be like, ooh, this is difficult. But however, this is one of the most common statistical aspects in a lot of celebrities, famous people's charts, because these obstacles create tremendous drive and therefore create tremendous success. And there's like a catalyst there. So we look at it's like what we do with it. It's just like anything in life, right? Like it's hard to make a broad sweeping statement 
about any group of people, about anything you're born into. It's what we make the most of it. If you have a chart and you feel intuitively like it's challenging for you to live with, this is a great time to seek guidance, right? Work with a trusted astrologer, work with a mentor, work with a therapist and really figure out like what are the things about this that feel challenging to me? And that's what I love about astrology. It does help us understand our assignment in a clear way. But I love, I love everyone's charts. When I look at them, I see it all. I see the opportunities, the obstacles, but they just weave together to make this beautiful kaleidoscope, this tapestry that is just so you and that's so profound. And this is really like a time I'm excited to be an astrologer because I think people are waking up so much to how it it can map out. It doesn't define us, right? Like Pamela Gregory, the astrologer says, astrology is not a choice maker. It's a choice enhancer, meaning, you know, your fate isn't decided through astrology. It's not decided if you're going to have a quote unquote good life or bad life. It just helps us make better decisions that are more aligned, more authentic, and hopefully helping us in service to our highest good, but also serving the collective's highest good, right? So that's where I'm going to leave us for today. But if you want to do more mailbag episodes, let us know. You can email us at info at CosmicRx, slide in our DMs at the CosmicRx, and we can definitely incorporate this into the regular programming more. But I thought it'd be a fun little teaser, a little nibble, a little bite while we're on our break. So I hope everyone is getting lots of rest, getting times with like the people or things that you love and enjoy charging up because 2024 is going to be a big one, baby. I'll see you baddies on the other side. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other cosmic baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic Rx, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you cosmic baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.